Hi everyone, I'm Kara Scott and welcome to The Heart of Poker sponsored by 8 8 Poker, a podcast that looks into the personal side of the poker personalities that we often see on our screens. I use a modified list of the questions from the 36 questions to fall in love study developed 25 years ago by psychologists as part of an experiment to see if they could make total strangers fall in love with a kind of shortcut for getting to know someone on a deeper level fast. My guest this time is Jamin Burton, one of the game's most influential poker vloggers. You've no doubt seen him on his Drunk Dead vlog or at a meetup game or on a poker live stream. He's kind of part of that top tier of poker content creators who seem to thrive on collaboration with each other rather than the cutthroat competition that you can sometimes see. And honestly, as a viewer, I find that so much more interesting to watch. His videos really are a cut above. They have this sense of humor and this really high level of production value that just shows how much he puts into them. So if you've not yet checked him out, you need to do that. Thank you so much for coming on, Jamin. Of course. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. I really enjoy watching your vlogs, I think. Like the mixture of of poker, obviously, but with the, like the entertainment side of the comic book am- animation style and the lifestyle stuff as well. It just, I don't know, there's something really special about it. Um, how much of your life would you say you spend doing poker stuff versus doing other things? Because I know, you know, poker's not even like your full-time job where it possibly, I mean, it could be. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's not my full-time job. I still have a regular old nine to five. I still am the father of a uh, 12-year-old girl. Mm. Um, and then I play poker and then I study poker and then I record a vlog and then I have to edit it. <laughs> so um, if I were to break it down on percentages, I'd probably say poker is a good... Let's go with 57%. Wow. More than more than half. More than half of every day is is something poker related. Wow. I like to ask people, you know, the ones that I haven't, or at least I think I haven't met before in person, because poker is kind of a, it's a big community, but we're pretty small in a lot of ways as well. Mm-hmm. And if you've been in poker for a really long time, and both of us have, you kind of bump into each other. And I was telling you, you know, we hadn't met in person before. And you're like, actually, we have. <laughs> we did once. Right. I was, and I was starstruck. I, that I find hard to believe, but <laughs> it's, it's so true. I was so, I was so starstruck. I was just, I was like a lonely, like lowly one, two player that would just come into the world series and just like marvel at everybody. So like, yeah, seeing right. you was, was definitely like, you're, you're a huge star. You're Kara Scott. That's so funny. That's really funny. I used to have, well, I used to have a lot of really bad habits um, <laughs> in poker and out. And I was actually standing outside the the Rio, I think. And I I, I asked you for a lighter. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, I had that bad habit too then. Yeah. Okay. So we both since yeah. quit that bad. Good for us, I must yeah. say. It's been a really long time for me. Me and too. I struggled, I'll be honest, uh, with quitting. Obviously, we're talking about smoking. Um, I really struggled and it took me a few times before it kind of took. I actually I got, I got mm-hmm. lucky and uh, my girlfriend at the time got pregnant. So I had ah. a daughter coming and like Shantex was a thing. So I just took the Shantex and it like knocked it right out. So I got really lucky. Oh, wow. Yeah. Huh. That must be like an American, like a Nicorette kind of thing. Like a Yeah. Patch? Yeah. It's a, it's oh. a pill that you like take oh. every day. And not only does like it makes the taste of cigarettes disgusting. Like you oh, can't, that's such a good idea. In the smell, the taste, everything is just disgusting. You don't even want to touch it. 
Okay, so this is actually pretty gross, but a friend of mine who managed to give up smoking um, told me that the best way to do it was we used to always go out into the garden to smoke. I lived in England at the time, and that's what we would do. And she was like, what you need to do is that disgusting old like flower pot that everybody <clears throat> uses as an ashtray when you have parties. You need to go and put your head in it, and you <clears throat> need to take a deep breath, and you <clears throat> need to know how disgusting it is. And then think about that smell every single time you want to light up. And oh my God, that was was that actually worked so there yeah <laughs> Chantex essentially kind of does that to the point where you start smelling uh, what everyone else that doesn't smoke yes. smells when you smoke and it's just disgusting like you don't want to you don't want to walk through a smoking area yeah. casinos stink like everything is just disgusting yeah yeah, yeah. Okay, well, we're going to dive into some of these questions here. Generally, they're broken into three different sets, and they get a little more progressively personal as we go on. Uh Um, Yeah, let's start with something a little bit, you know, a little easier. So do you believe in love at first sight? Uh, I do believe in love at first sight. I don't think I've ever encountered it, but I believe it is possible. I've gotten close. I love it. I've had love love at second sight. That's not bad. Yeah, not bad. It's close. (laughs) So when did you last sing to yourself or someone else? Uh, probably about three minutes before we started this podcast. Oh, really? Yes. I sing, I sing to myself all the time. In fact, I released a vlog this morning where at the end of it, I'm singing um, uh, Empire State of Mind by Alicia Keys at nice. the poker table. Like I'm just singing. Like I just, <laughs> I wish I was a better singer, but in my head, I sound just like Alicia Keys. Wow. See, I know I really don't sound like her like in any way, shape or form. And so (laughs) I think I did um, karaoke once at this like European poker party where we were finished doing, it was like an EPT, I think. And we'd finished and we all went out to to sing karaoke and and get really drunk. And I remember the, some of the French um, media guys were there. And after we finished, it was Jolene, by the way, it's terrible. Mm -hmm. Um, They said it was un catastrophe. It was absolutely <laughs> catastrophic. And I, I don't know that I've actually done any since. So <laughs> yeah, you can, although I enjoy you, it. Yeah. When I'm singing, you can't tell me that I don't sound exactly like the artist. I don't, I don't nice. care who it is. I love that. Yeah. Um, okay. So for what in your life do you feel most grateful? Um, my family. Mm-hmm. Like I, I feel very grateful that I was born uh, with the mother and father that I had. Uh, or that I have. I mean, they're still they're still alive. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad has an an enormous amount of uh, common sense, mm-hmm. um, and my mom is in. I mean, just very uh, patient, and she instilled a lot of discipline into me and my little brother. And we just, even though you know they were divorced. Um, they're still, even to this day, like really, really good friends. And we just had a, like I had a very good, like lower middle class, middle class childhood. Hmm. Yeah. But that cannot have been easy for them to do that as well. Cause I mean, parents separate all the time, um, you know, like whatever half of long-term relationships and marriages end in divorce. So a lot of kids are the mm-hmm. children of divorce. So actually being able to, to do that, they must've really put the work in. Yeah, Have I mean, you ever like I said, about I, it? yeah, I mean, I just got really lucky that my mom and my dad had known each other since they were like three or four years oh, old. Yeah, we're you know we're like really good friends all throughout their entire life, and then you know uh, 
not to get too personal here, but you know, I'm, I, I was an accident. You know, oh, wow, so like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they've been friends now for over 60 years and there was no reason, you wow. know, like just because the love part didn't work out, like everything else is, is fantastic. That's so mature. Yeah. I like your parents already. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, it's kind of following on from that then if you could change anything about the way that you were raised, what would it be? Um, I would probably say I moved. I switched high schools mm. um, in between my freshman and sophomore year. So in between like ninth grade and 10th grade. And that was mm. really, really hard. Mm. Um, but then again, if that happens, if I don't switch schools, um, I probably don't end up going to the college I went to, which I absolutely loved. <laughs> my life just goes down a whole different path. But at, at the time... Um, that changing of schools to a new school where I knew no one was very traumatic. Yeah, I bet. Do you have many friends from the school that you moved to? I guess you still had a few years left of high school. So yeah, Uh, Yeah. I have a couple, but most of my, when I refer to my old friends, they're going to be the friends that I went from kindergarten to ninth grade with. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I changed schools um, right before my senior year And yeah, it was, I was excited about it to be honest, but, Mm -hmm. um, it definitely meant that I, like, I look at pictures from that and I don't even remember everyone who was in my class. And I, I mean, I was in a really small school from a small town, so it's not like there were lots of us, but it's kind of weird. I I definitely don't have that kind of connection to people, which I kind of wish I did. Yeah. And not only did I change schools, but I changed to our direct rival school. Oh, wow. So it was like when we, when I go to like football and basketball games, like I'd be rooting for my friends on the other team, you know, like it was just, it was really weird. Yeah. Weird situation. Huh? Okay. Um, let's do this one. If you could wake up tomorrow, having gained any one quality or ability, anything at all, what would it be? Oh, this is an easy one. (laughs) If I could have any ability, it would be, um, problem solving. Mm. I'd want the ability to solve problems, any problem, big or small. Oh, like wow. I would, I would take that over flying invisibility, mm-hmm. like super fast. Like if I could just solve a problem, like if you could just bring me a problem, like Jay, man, how do we solve wor- world hunger? And I could just solve it. Like I could yeah. say, oh, okay, here's what you have to do. You have to raise taxes over here. Then you have to move these people here. And then you have to grow crops there. Like, yeah, like that would, that would be phenomenal. Yeah, it really would. I'm trying to think like how, how deeply painful it must be for people who are really good at problem solving to mm-hmm. be doing that and not be listened to. Yeah. Like, uh, right. It feels like a blessing and a curse. I'll be honest. Yeah. Yeah. The super ability of problem solving. I, I personally think could be, is just, I mean, it's undefeated. Like you can't beat it. Oh yeah. yeah. Like in your own life, you would be yeah. able to to know all the time what the right thing to do is, even if it doesn't come to the right outcome or whatever, like right. it's like poker, right? I mean, as long as you do what the right move is, it doesn't matter if it works out or not. So yeah, <laughs> I mean, technically speaking, <laughs> it still yeah, hurts when things don't work speaking. out. Yeah. <laughs> huh. Okay. Do you think you're a really good problem solver already? Like it would it just be kind of like a hyping up of something you already do really well. I think I am very good at thinking through problems logically mm-hmm. so that they, that my decision makes sense to me. Um, 
but that's in the micro, right? Like it's just me. I don't yeah. think I have a good, I don't think I necessarily have an above average ability to solve problems in the macro, right? Mm-hmm. Especially on a world level. Right. Like I can make just, I can make good decisions for me and the people around me. Okay. Yeah. Well, what do you think it is about you, like your character, the way you grew up, all of that, that drives you towards success? Because poker really is a very success-oriented game and industry. Mm. I think I have an above-average amount of discipline. Ah, oh my goodness. I think I have... That's a superpower. (laughs) Yeah, I think I can be very persistent. Um... I know for a fact that I really don't have the embarrassment gene. Really? Um, so that enables me to do things without fear of public ridicule. Cause I mm-hmm. just, it, it, it just doesn't resonate with me. Um, I, uh, what else? Um, I think those are the, the, the three, the, the three, the big three or four things. And I know I, and this is probably a really bad thing is that I don't sleep a lot. Oh, um, yeah. So, and I'm working on, I'm actively working on that one. Uh, hmm. and, but since I don't sleep a lot, like I kind of feel like I have an extra one or two hours a day that I should be <laughs> sleeping. Um, that other people that have a healthy sleep schedule don't have. Right, man. So many poker players that I know of, like, and speak to have the same issue because mm-hmm. poker doesn't lend itself to having like a normal, proper daytime schedule. And I think, right. I don't know, like there is something to be said for getting enough sleep. Obviously it's for your health and for being able to, you know, problem solve all of that. But I do kind of think sometimes that the world has such a like this bias against people who have a nocturnal life. Like there's something wrong with them, you know? And I'm not sure that that's true. I mean, I personally don't think that that's true. I've met a lot of people who are nocturnal and it might not work for everyone and it might make it hard to be in relationships and all of that. But, but like, there's not something moral about it. And I think the world looks at people who stay up all night and sleep all day as like it being a moral failing. Yeah. I don't think it's a moral thing either. I agree with you. I do know that there are, you know, certain like Circadian rhythms and things. And there's, you know, if you don't get enough sun, this happens like that. I'm fully on board with, but as far as people that are just, you know, creatures of the night, like I don't see a a moral issue (laughs) of it. No. Yeah. I think we moralize so many things though in society. Mm -hmm. Like we do love to say this is right and this is wrong. And it, because it's always been so, or because someone once said so, or I don't know, other kind of like bullshit like that. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. (laughs) Okay. For sure. So going back to kind of the embarrassment factor that you say that you don't have, was that something that even as a kid, like you didn't, you didn't really worry about, like you don't have the the dream about, you know, showing up naked to school or anything? Never, never wow. had it. In fact, uh, when I uh, graduated high school, they give out the superlatives at the end, you know, best legs, most likely to succeed, blah, blah, blah. Um, I won class clown in a landslide. Like I would... <laughs> do things like get up in front of our classes to speak. And before class, just go to the water fountain and just wet down the front of my pants. Oh my gosh. Um, just why not? Like, I just didn't care. Like <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I just didn't, which in a weird way, like when I'm vlogging, uh, I do a lot of 
the douchey move of walking through the casino, talking to a camera and like uh-huh. trying to dodge people. I don't have that. Oh my God, I'm embarrassed talking to a camera as I'm walking through a, a public place. Like I just don't uh-huh. have it. And then talking to a lot of like um, my contemporaries who also vlog, like that scares them. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it kind of makes me feel awkward. I'll be honest. Really? Yeah. Like, so totally when you does. would do like the interviews in like the hallways of the Rio, would you be nervous? Like scared um, because of the, that? No. And that's the weird thing because <laughs> yeah. um, I would feel weird about talking into my phone on my own. I'd have like a weird embarrassment <laughs> feeling. But if there was like a big camera there, then it's pretty clear that I'm working and I have no issue with that whatsoever. Mm. But if it's just like me, which I think it says something more about, I don't know, like people are going to think I'm being vain. Maybe I'm not sure. Well, it's not something good because I don't think that about people who talk into their cameras, obviously. Exactly. What hit me early on is that people just don't care. Right. You know what I mean? Like if you're walking somewhere and you see someone talking on their phone, whether they're yeah. on a zoom call or FaceTime or they're talking to a camera, you will literally think about that person for two seconds. Yeah. And then you'll go on with your day. Like you, you won't wonder three hours later what that lady was doing talking to her camera. Yeah, no, not yeah. at all. Yeah. And if you do, it wouldn't even be with judgment generally. It'd just be like, oh, she's probably like creating content. <laughs> right. Yeah. She's, it's yeah. not a weird thing. Like, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that is definitely something that I even still, I think, struggle with. And I'm not sure why. It's kind of weird because like I'll walk around because I use a um, I have an earpiece in when I'm working with you know, the world series broadcast and whatever, so that I can hear the director and the producer and I'll walk around talking into my microphone, completely looking like, <laughs> like, like kind of crazy, yeah. to be honest. And right. people even kind of give me the funny look sometimes. And, and I really don't care. It doesn't bother me at all, but that that's something about putting myself on camera myself that it, I don't know. I have to figure that out. That's a, yep. it's a definite thing. Okay. Let's take a look at the second set of questions. Let's mm-hmm. do if a crystal ball could tell you the truth about yourself, your life, the future, anything, what would you want to know? Ooh, if it could tell me anything, what would I want to know? Like even um, like mysteries of the universe, like literally anything. Wow, that's a good one. I, I wouldn't want to know like when I'm going to die. Like I definitely don't want to know that. Definitely not. Um, I would probably want to know. Uh, I wouldn't want to waste the, the question because I was going to say I'd want to know something like, you know, w- when did I like walk over a million dollars buried beneath me and didn't know it or something. But like <laughs> that would be like a waste. Like, so what would I want to know? Um, I don't know that one. Mm. I, I like I'd want to say like I want to I'm thinking something profound like, oh, I'd love to know my ancestry and where I came from and exactly like which part of like Africa and how did I get here? Like how did my ancestors get here? Like exactly how, mm-hmm. but mm, it's not really going to like, I mean, it'd be just knowledge just to have knowledge. Uh, right. I don't know that one. Yeah. I have to think about it. It is a tough one. Cause yeah. part of me would want to know, um, is this a simulation? But then I also mm-hmm. realize that it doesn't change anything for me because mm-hmm. like a very large part of me actually does think that this is a simulation. I think it's a high probability. Mm-hmm. Um, I think really smart people have confirmed that it, you know, it's definitely a possibility if, if nothing else, but it doesn't change anything. 
Because right. no matter whether you're living in this as a whatever so-called real universe or a simulation, it feels the same. It looks the same. It smells the same. The people are, in a, are still people. Everyone has feelings, you know. So, yeah. That would be a good one. But I think I'm more with you that I'm pretty sure it is a simulation. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it doesn't matter if it is or it isn't. My daughter is addicted to this game on her uh, computer called The Sims. Mm-hmm. Um, where she's essentially God and, you know, she's controlling. These <laughs> people. And I told her, I said, you know, those people in your game think that their life is real, but mm-hmm. you know, that it's, that it's not. And it, like, in my mind, I'm thinking as we are moving forward into, you know, 2022, uh, with our technology, eventually we'll get to the point where we can create the earth that looks exactly like we are in now. Mm-hmm. And those people will think that, they aren't in a simulation. Are you following me? So like, yeah, for sure. Like if we've already progressed, progressed past that point, um, then we would never know. So no, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think for me, it would be like almost just, it could be a little bit comforting to know that humanity made it past this point, (laughs) this very bizarre point in time. But then again, I don't know. Like I said, it just doesn't change anything. It's the cool question of like the meaning of life and what's it all about. But whatever the the universe is, it doesn't matter. Now, if the crystal ball could answer that question and then show me what life is really like, then I'd do that. I'd go that route. Oh, see, that would be interesting. Yeah. I wonder how much it would blow our minds. Like if we could peek into the future, of, yeah. oh, I don't even know how far in the future it would have to be 30 years, 40 years. Like if I that, could peek into the future, I think I'd want to peek like a hundred years. Yeah. Like I'd want to peek a hundred years into the future. And if I had to peek backwards, I'd want to go back to like dinosaurs. I'd yeah, want to see sure. what that was like. Um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I feel like the, um, the rate of change is so fast right now. And it's just, it feels like it's going exponentially faster that 30 years ago and 30 years from now, the, mm-hmm. the change that will happen in those two time periods is going to be completely different. Like 30 years ago is actually not that long ago. <laughs> yeah, mean, we were in yeah, high school. Yeah, for so. sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I remember talking to someone or someone saying something about like, like time travel travel. And I'm like, well, you know, like, as a black man, like I can't mm. go back too far. Like, yeah. like 1980 is about as far back as I'm going safely. And not super comfortable, I would imagine. Right. Like, right. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, but just peeking, I could peek at some dinosaurs, sure. Cool. Well, what do you think is the greatest accomplishment in your life? My daughter. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a snap answer. Uh, um, yeah, I think becoming a parent. It's funny, like before you're a parent – you hear you have friends that are parents and they tell you, oh, it's going to change your life and everything's going to different. You've never known love before and blah, 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 blah. And it just kind of goes in one ear and out the other. Um, <laughs> yeah. But then when you become a parent, you like really understand a few things. You understand like what love is. You understand how fast like time mm-hmm. moves. Um I mean, seeing my daughter go from zero to like entering kindergarten was just like a blink of an eye. Yeah. Um, uh, so, so yeah, she gave me a, a brand new perspective on life. She gave me something to actually like work for and like purpose. And then like having kids kind of gives you um, like a sense of immortality. Right. 
Do you know what I mean? That that you that I that at least I didn't have before I had children. Like I just be like, oh, I'm just going to live my life, and then I'm just going to pass away, <laughs> and then no one will know. Yeah, you know. So, but yeah. now you're like the most important person in someone's life. But for Correct. real, <laughs> even even if I'm gone, like there's someone that loved me and that will have kids and like pass that down. So then yeah. you, in a way, become immortal. In the same way, I talk about my grandmother who passed mm-hmm. in like 2008. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Well, what's one of your most treasured memories? <sighs> um. My one, uh, this is going to sound really messed up, but one of my most treasured memories in one uh, was an event that shaped my life to this very day. So Mm. growing up, I played a lot of sports. I ran cross country, football, basketball, played baseball for a while, all all the typical boy things. Um, My freshman year in cross country, uh, I was running a race. I was winning the race. Um, it was like, it was, I don't know, 5k 3.1 miles. I was winning the race and I just, I don't know. Like I just got tired and I just started walking. Huh. <laughs> right. Like I just gave up like literally with like 800 meters to go. Like I was just like, I'm just tired. Like I just give up. And, uh, I started walking the guy that was in second past me. I came to my senses and then tried to like sprint to catch up to him. But he won. He won the race and I came in second, which as a freshman was like a huge deal. Like that was great. Like teammates were congratulating me. Oh, my God, Jamie, you came in second. You're so great. Blah, blah, blah. But in my mind, I knew that I had quit. Um, Yeah. And to this day, like when it was time to clean out all my old trophies, throw all that other stuff away, the only trophy I kept and it's actually sitting right. I can see it right now. It's right behind me is my second place trophy at the Rio Grande International race or whatever, um, because I quit. And to this day, I, I know that pain. And to this day, like I try not to quit anything. Right. Um, So if there was an event that like is like burned into my mind, it was that moment where I was like, you know what? I'm just going to kind of walk and jog it out. Like I'm just, you know, so yeah, it was that. Yeah. That's pretty cool because you, for a lot of people that might've happened and then it doesn't stay with them, you know, like they mm-hmm. keep the trophy, it gets thrown away when they maybe move house or whatever, but it feels like a really good dad story. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like you can point, right? Like you can point yeah. to it with your daughter and be like, let me tell you the story of this trophy. Oh dad, not again. You know? Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. a good one. Yeah. So yeah, that's the, the trophy that means the most because it taught me the biggest lesson. Okay. What is one of your most terrible memories? Mm, one of my most terrible memories. I like <laughs> to keep it light here, you know. So yeah, one of my most <laughs> terrible, terrible memories. And I think everyone has one of these memories. And I don't know why this seems so scary and terrible to me even now. Uh, but it was any time, and this happened multiple times. Uh, any time, especially in elementary school and in middle school that I would go into a test or something knowing I hadn't prepared. Oof. And just that like anxiety or like going in and knowing I hadn't done my homework or not wanting to be called on to go like work out the problem in front of the class, like any of that stuff when I wasn't prepared right. um, or like 
the worst memories that I can conjure from from childhood. Like I don't have like, oh, you know, Steve used to bully me. Like I don't have that kind of thing. Like, <laughs> you know, where it, like people would take my lunch money or anything. Like, so I don't have a like a lot of real terrible memories, but I huh. do remember that anxiety from just not being prepared uh in elementary and middle school. Right. So you did you put that kind of pressure on yourself, do you think? Uh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a hundred percent. But in a in a way, I, I put that kind of pressure on myself to always be prepared in one sense, but then on the other sense, I also um refined my like art of bullshit and manipulation. <laughs> Do tell. <laughs> tell right? me this. So uh so <laughs> I refined it. Okay, we're gonna get we're gonna get like deep. So I refined Good. it to the point of I tell people this all the time. Like if you were to have met me in my late, late teens, early twenties, blah, blah, blah. Like I was an asshole. Like I was manipulative. I was like very just kind of slimy. Just like, I mean, I was still like a good person at heart, but I knew like I I have like a the Burton charisma. Like I <laughs> like I'm good with the mouth. Like I can I'm a charmer and I would use those powers for evil. Like wow. I would, yeah, I would use those powers for evil when I was dating <laughs> women. I would use those powers for evil when I was trying to schmooze a professor into changing, you know, a B minus to a B plus. <laughs> I would use those powers for like to talking my bosses into giving me an extra day off. Like I was just like like manipulation plus. Huh. Um, and then I kind of grew out of it like in my late, mid, late 20s, early 30s. But I definitely remember um, probably the genesis of that was maybe the anxiety I would feel when I wasn't prepared right. and then having to come up with better excuses than the dog ate my homework. <laughs> um, and then just becoming like a master at it. Huh. So yeah. what was it that was the turning point for you then when you got a bit, a little bit older and you stopped doing it? Like, was it, did a girlfriend kind of call you out on it? Or? Um, I think the turning point was me graduating college and then like moving into quote unquote, the real world right. and like, like things actually mattering. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like I knew oh, yeah. in high school that like this shit don't matter. Like I knew <laughs> in college that. of these people I'm never going to see again, that college was just for the experience that I like, I really had it in my head. This is, this is, I'm being like God's honest truth. I really had it in my head that college was just a place where white people went to have other white people read books to them. (laughs) That's really what I thought. (laughs) I was like, I can read these books. Like, it's not like, I'm just here having, having fun. I'm an athlete. Like, there's women around like and then when I get out of here, when I get out of Ames, Iowa and I move to like the real world, then I'm going to be an adult. Then I'll like yeah. grow up. Um, and then that's just kind of what happened. Right. Yeah. That kind of self-awareness yeah. that young, especially is pretty incredible. <laughs> like, <laughs> I for, no, for real. I, I, yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah, I mean, that's just uh, yeah, that's just kind of what happened. And now it's to the point where I can't do it, mm-hmm. like, which kind of sucks as a poker player. Like, I wish I was better at it now. Like, I wish <laughs> I still had those old skills where I could just be like, you know, I, I don't know. I'd probably be a better buffer. Yeah. 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 Seriously. Yeah. 
You'd have the whole chat to make people do what you want. Yes. Yes. Like when you yeah. see someone that's like, you know, for whatever you think of him, like a Will Kasuk type that can flop <laughs> and then be talking and be comfortable and blah, blah, blah. Like that's a skill. Yeah. Um, and I don't quite have it. Huh. So, yeah. Interesting. And you never thought about like going into like law because I feel I like did. that would be, did you? Because it I sounds did. like that would be perfect for that, yeah. right? I did think about going into law when I was like, like young, young, young. I thought uh-huh. like the idea was cool, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. Okay, cool. That's very interesting. I'm getting a much <laughs> more like complete picture of you that, that, and I, yeah. I enjoy that. Cool. Um, Okay, let's talk about friends now. What do you value most in a friendship now? Do the friends that you have around you tend to have something in common, like some kind of characteristics or qualities that are really important to you? Uh, I value loyalty above all. Right. Like um, uh, the the friends that are around me now, the characteristics they probably all have in common is like, you know, the vast majority of them are are poker players. uh, we probably don't respect the value of a dollar, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> uh, and just like, I just like good people. I'm very quick and whether this is good or bad, like I'm very quick to just cut people off when they're not good people, right. which I, I didn't do when I was younger. I would just like, let them hang, like just hang around because I could, you know, well, no, like I'm going to hang out with Todd because he can get us in the club. You know, like now, now I'm just like, once I see someone's integrity slide, I'm done. Right. Um, even if they don't know that I'm done with them, like I'm done. <laughs> like, so, <laughs> uh, so I think everyone that I consider uh, a friend now, um, I really value their loyal, like their loyalty. I value their opinion. I think they're living a good life. I think, you know, like, yeah, they have, and normally they each have something like I, like they each have a characteristic that I'm lacking that I would like. Right. If that makes sense. Ah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, something that you value and yes. you can see the value in, but you don't actually have yourself or you don't yes, think you do. Very, like, like, yeah, like, like highly, like I highly hmm. value Huh. Like, what are some of those qualities that you think that you see in some of your friends? Um, it's a tough question, I know. But. Yeah. Like, for instance, if I look at, uh, like, a friend like Andrew Nimi, mm-hmm. right? He's really compassionate. Like, he yeah. has empathy. He, like, is very, um, like, mild-mannered and calm under pressure and just, like... You know, just like super chill and like he does things that I wish I could do and just <laughs> like be chill about it. Do you know what I mean? Like, right. Like he, he can just go and just go to some strange city and pull up to a bar and just have a beer and just chill out. And like, I can't do that. Right. Like, um, and so I admire that he has like, like that ability or like somebody like, uh, um, Johnny Vibes, who has like this sense of him and his wife Olga both like have this wonder lust in them mm. where they're just like, you know what, we're just gonna live in a van for like four months and <laughs> travel around the world. Like I'm just like, oh, how cool. Like in my mind, I'm thinking, like, how cool is that? But in reality, I'm like, I don't know if I could ever do that. Like, but I'd yeah. like to be able to do it. 
You know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah. So they each kind of have like a, like this, like this quality that like, that I really admire. Right. Yeah. So the move to Vegas, that's mm-hmm. a big move. That must've actually been really, I'm, it must have been nice to actually have people already there to have spent so much time there to like, yeah. I imagine that's one of the reasons, not just the poker that you chose Vegas. Yeah. In fact, poker was like probably fourth on the list, maybe yeah. even fifth. Like uh, I needed to um, get out of Missouri or at least St. Louis. Um, just the climate there uh, right. just, just wasn't for me or for my daughter. And it was just time to go. And luckily uh, for me, me and her mom, my ex-girlfriend still have a really good relationship. And just when we came up with a list of places, uh, Tampa, Scottsdale, uh, somewhere in Colorado, Las Vegas, uh, Costa Rica, like we just kind of both just kind of agreed on Vegas. We liked the weather. The cost of living was manageable. Um, It helped that I knew people here. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was a big move and it happened quickly too. Yeah. It seemed to Yeah, like watching the video and, and, you know, you've got all of that stuff in your car and you're making that big move. It's such a, it's, it's a big deal, especially like kind of at our age, like that's a, it's a big thing to do to move to a whole other city. I I recently kind of did the same thing myself moving over to Slovenia uh, three months ago. And it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> and I, I think it might have helped for both me and Trisha, that's my daughter's uh, mother, um, mm-hmm. that we have both moved around a lot. Like I moved from born and raised in Cincinnati, moved to Ames, Iowa, moved to Wichita, mm-hmm. Kansas, moved to Minneapolis, moved to New York, moved to New Jersey. Like I, so I had moved around uh, a bunch, which makes a big move less scary than mm-hmm. someone that has just lived in one place their entire time and is just finally like packing up to moving when they're like 40. Oh yeah. I yeah. completely agree. Yeah. I, I'm, I strive to find a happy medium between the two things. Cause I think I have been on the road my entire life at this <laughs> point. So <laughs> I'm trying to like decide that I'm going to now live in Slovenia for the rest of my life. And it's, um, and it makes me laugh yeah. <laughs> because I think well, that's obviously not true. Um, but I'm going to try. So, you know, <laughs> but you're happy in Vegas. Like it feels I, like that was the right move for you. Yeah. A hundred percent, hundred percent the right move for me. I mean, uh, it was nice, like I said, being able to walk into town and instantly know, like, you know, 10 people. Yeah. Um, so the, the the only transition really for me in Vegas was getting used to Christmas, not being cold. <laughs> right. And just like anyone else where you move, like, you don't know the street names, like, you don't know where mm-hmm. the hell you are. Um, yeah. So, and that's just, it's just been a learning experience. Other than that, everything's been great. Cool. Okay. Another question. Now we're going on to the last section of questions. So they're a little bit more personal. Um, have you ever been genuinely terrified or what's your biggest fear? Um, my, yes, I, I was, I don't like deep water at all. Like it terrifies me. Uh, me and my ex and, uh, she had a, uh, foreign exchange student uh, with her at the time and our daughter went to, I don't know, some cruise ended up in the Bahamas somewhere. I don't know. And there was like a dolphin tank, right? Where you could like swim with the dolphins and right. unbeknownst to me, I got signed up for it. And <laughs> my daughter was super excited to see me swim with the dolphins 
and, you know, they were going to take pictures. And before I know it, they had this life vest on me. And I made the mistake of asking uh, the dolphin handler how deep the enclosure was. Like, and she said some number that I don't even remember. Like, I don't know what she said, like 250 feet deep or something. (laughs) And I was just like, oh, my God, I've never been so afraid of my life. And (sighs) she goes, all right, this is what you're going to do. You're going to grab the dolphin's thin wing thing. And he's (laughs) going to drag you out into the middle of this enclosure. (laughs) And in, in my head, like I can swim, but like I can swim in like the six foot. Right. I can't swim in like the 20 foot, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, oh my gosh. So I'm like trying to look tough because I'm somebody's father and I am internally, like I'm screaming, like I'm just, oh. like, and it was, yeah, that was probably the scariest thing that, that I've ever done. Either that or moving from Cincinnati to uh, Iowa, moving right. from Cincinnati to Iowa was such a culture shock. Um, for me, hmm. growing up in a place where it was kind of like 50-50 white and black to moving to a place where it was like 99% white and just like the only black guys in that area were either like athletes, were mostly athletes. And there uh, weren't that many of us. So I mean, that was scary too. That must have been a real shock to the system. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, when did you last cry in front of another person or by yourself? Oh God. Are you someone who cries? No, not really. Yeah. Like I'm sure. I'm sure I've cried in front of Lily, the girl I'm dating, Mm -hmm. but I can't remember when or why, but I typically am very stoic. Like I like just keep everything inside. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, that one I can't remember. I, I've cried laughing. I do that a lot. Like, right. like I'll laugh so hard that I'll start crying. <laughs> I, I Like, I probably do that three times a week. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a much better way to cry then. Yeah. <laughs> if, I mean, if you're going to cry, I suppose, anyways. But they said, you know, you're supposed to, like, cry every day. You're supposed to laugh every day. You're supposed to, like, but, right. yeah, I just, I don't, I don't cry a lot. Yeah. I guess I'm, like, kind of old school that way. Like, you know. Like in just, that toxic masculinity kind of men don't cry damn. Type thing. Like, <laughs> but, but yeah, I just don't. I do mean, it. growing up in it, especially, yeah, like I, I imagine a lot of men who are kind of getting into their 20s now, it's a very different climate to the one that I'm going to say we grew up in, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah, like 80s and 90s. And, and things were very different. And I think boys were really kind of pushed in a much stronger way to not be all that like emotional and sensitive and yeah. Yeah. Is that a hard thing to navigate now that the world is changing so much? I I would imagine it must also be a relief, but kind of hard to access. (laughs) Yeah. I don't, it's just different, right? It's just like a different time. Like for instance, I'm sure people that grew up in the quote unquote greatest generation, like in the forties or whatever, Mm. looked at our parents' generation and thought they were pansies. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, they totally did. Yeah. So I think that's just, I look at today's generation and think the same thing. Like, what do you like? So 
Yeah. And again, I think it, it also, it all goes back to the toxic masculinity thing and like this definition of what quote unquote real men are supposed to do and what women are supposed to do and blah, 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 blah. But <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I can get on board with some of it, uh, but crying is a big one. Like I'm not, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I'm not. Yeah, no, I totally do. And yeah. it's a personal thing too. Cause yeah. I imagine, and I could be wrong here, so correct me if I'm wrong, but you would feel different about seeing people you care about, men you care about and respect crying versus yourself crying. A hundred Like it's not about the crying, is it? It's, no. It's about whether yeah. or not you feel comfortable doing it. Correct. Right. Yeah. 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 That's what I would have thought. You seem like someone who really puts a lot of thought into your life, like into your choices, into who you are, where you came from. I like have you're the to. perfect person for the podcast. I got to be yeah, honest. I, <laughs> I, I have to. And uh, uh, my mom discovered this. I think my mom discovered this on Oprah. Um, but my mom's name is Deldra, D-E-L-D-R-A. And obviously okay. my name is Jamin, right? Mm-hmm. And so Oprah did, I guess, some show about people that have like different names, like not a normal name and how protective of your name you become yeah. because- you can't be confused with anyone. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, so if someone said, Hey, Kara, I saw, you know, Jamin in the back of the party doing cocaine. Like right. there's only one Jamin. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's not like if you said, Oh, I saw Matt. And then you got to go, who Matt, which Matt, Tall yeah. Matt, which one Matt? do I know like, who would have done that? Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, so you become like kind of very, um, huh. I don't know what the word is, but it's like, you don't necessarily want your name tied to bad things. Right. Right. You're really so, aware of what very people very. think about when they think your name. Yeah. And you. Yeah. Okay. When I when I moved to Ames, Iowa, uh, um, the biggest heroin dealer in town, allegedly, because I don't want to get sued or anything, <laughs> allegedly, <laughs> was was this guy named Jamin. Oh, damn. And not only that had I not known anyone with my name. Right. So now I finally hear somebody else that has my name and he's like this gigantic heroin dealer. Um, And so when I walked into town as a freshman, like I already had a reputation. Like and I was like, no, that's not me. Like, I'm not. I'm not this this heroin dealer. Oh, my gosh. So, uh, yeah, I remember I actually ended up meeting the guy like three, four years later. And I was like, I've heard of you. And he goes, yeah, I've heard of you, too. Um, And it was just like, you know, but yeah. uh, yeah. yeah. So then on on top of that, on top of like being protective of my name, right? I have now wound up in this space where I am and I I, I hate this term. There's there's probably no term that I hate more than this, but I I've wound up in the space where I'm now an influencer. Hey. Right? And not only am I an influencer, but I'm also <laughs> African American in a skill, discipline, game, sport, whatever, that Mm -hmm. doesn't have a lot of African-Americans, right? So in some ways, in some weird ways, I kind of feel like I'm carrying something. You know what I mean? Like I I am a face or an embodiment or the things I do have some sort of weird amplification that you know, pressure, you know man. Like, I yes, no, I totally do pressure yeah. that extra pressure of like, it's not just about you and whether you win or lose or you gain or, or lose followers. Like, right. It's important. It's important. 
yeah, yeah. It's, it's important how I show up and how yeah. I like represent because maybe, maybe I'm just representing me and myself, maybe, but it is possible that I could be representing something more, something bigger. And I actually mm-hmm. had this in Iowa as well. Whenever I, with the first time I, my first five minutes in Iowa, right. I was at a grocery store and a lady called me colored and <gasps> she said, uh, she could see the shock on my face. And then she I actually, bet. she said, she goes, I don't know what to call you people. And oh, it God. hit me like, oh my God, like I'm representing more. Wow. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like a She's lot of these seeing... people in Iowa, like I might yeah. be their first encounter with an African-American person. Wow. So yeah, it's, 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 it's some of that. There was a, a question um, that about being quote unquote famous and like, yeah. Yeah. Um, Did you ever want to be famous? And uh, when, when I was a little kid, like when I was a little right. kid, you wanted to be famous, but you didn't know why it just seemed like something yeah. cool. Um, but there are times now, and I don't consider myself famous. Um, I think that there is, you know, w- one room, one or two rooms in a couple s- cities in the United States where a few people might recognize me. Like the majority of cities don't even have a poker room. Do you know what I mean? Like, so it's not, right. like, I'm, I'm not yeah, like, yeah. It's, I'm not like Dwayne, the rock Johnson. Um, <laughs> but uh, sometimes you don't want it. Yeah. You know, like I, you just want to be you. You just want to fall yeah, on like, you, what I mean, you do not on, you know, yes, a, whole group. A, a lot of times you miss just being like poker was like a release. Like it's, it was where I'd go and go play and you know take my mind off of work or whatever and when you know that you kind of have to be on yeah um it's sometimes draining right do you know what i mean where it's like like sometimes i just want to go and sit at the table and and put on headphones and not talk to anyone but you're jamin burton yeah but like you're on so like you have to be on but it's a small problem in you know a vast sea of 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 real no, but it is an extra bit of pressure though. And I mean, when we talked about the embarrassment factor, I was going to say at the time, like, um, it's great that you don't have that because it must help you as a poker player because you don't have that kind of voice in your head saying, if I'm wrong making this move, am I going to look silly? Oh, yeah, no. So, you know, that kind of thing really gets right. in the way of playing good poker. So if you yeah. don't have that, that's awesome. But that pressure is also like an added level. It's a, it's a layer yeah. that kind of, that you feel. And and, I mean, even if it only shifts like a 2% from your choices for what to do or to do this, or it it takes away a tiny bit of your focus, it's still there. And it's a pressure that, you know, other people are not feeling. Correct. So it's, yeah. And and since I'm a, you know, since I record my sessions and then put them out for the world to see, Mm. I don't know who's seen them and who hasn't. I don't know like what someone's impression of me is. Do they think I'm tight? Do they think I'm spastic? Do they think blah, blah, blah. So like they come in having more information on me than I have on them. Right. So then there's like, there is always a a feeling out section where it's like, you don't want to be pompous and be like, oh, that guy knows who I am for sure. Like I'm a big star. (laughs) Of course he knows me. Like you don't want to be that. But then you also can't turn your blind eye to think, well, this guy might've seen me a few times just, triple it off with five, three suited. Right. Like, so it's like you're, you're you have to consider it. Leveling yeah. game. 
Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like, and it doesn't mean that you're being kind of that. And maybe that's the thing with me in the hallways thinking people are going to think that I'm vain because I don't want to project that. Yeah. And you don't want people to be thinking that you think you're kind of a big deal. Right. It's a weird thing. Right. Because you <laughs> are weird. like one of, like I said in the intro, you're like one of the most influential poker vloggers there. And now that you said influencer so many times, it <laughs> makes me laugh because I like the way you say it. <laughs> because you are an influential, like <laughs> poker content creator. That is what you do. Yeah. And like, have you, have you ever done the thing where you think somebody knows who you are or they're talking to you, because <laughs> they, but they don't? Have they you done have that? no clue. Yes, oh of course God. I have. It's Word. the most embarrassing thing ever. <laughs> Some lady right? comes up and asks to take a picture. Yes. I thought she wanted a picture with me, but with no, you? she just wanted me to take a picture of her and her some friend. <laughs> Oh my God, I've done that. That I've done. I've totally done that. And it is, you just want to like, just the redness and then they can see it and you know they can see it and it's just awful. And I was just like, who the hell do I think I am? Like, 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 damn. Do I think I'm Obama? Like, (laughs) I'm so ridiculous. Oh my God. Yeah. It's good. It's good to stay humble. But the truth is, I mean, what you do is watched by a ton of people. So you have to think that. And also you kind of, it's not a bad thing to give yourself credit for that too. Yeah. I don't know. We get, ta- we get taught that it's not a good thing to give yourself credit for things, but I don't know. I think you would I, want your daughter to give herself credit for being really good at something. I believe. Right. But I think where I kind of struggle with it a little bit is like coming up, even if we just go back to like poker coming up, the people that mm-hmm. I looked up to, in my mind, had actually done shit. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Phil Ivey had actually won things. Like, Dwan did stuff. Like, right. Negreanu did stuff. Where, when I look at what I do, is I literally press record and just play cards. Like, I'm not saying I play them well or bad. I'm not saying I'm the best player at the table. I'm not, like, I'm just recording it. Like, that's the oh, only man, difference between is- me and the guy on my left. No. <laughs> In my mind, this is what, like, I haven't, like, for instance, I haven't won the main event. I haven't won a circuit ring. I haven't, I haven't, like, done something. This is yeah. how my mind works. Like, I haven't done something to have the notoriety wow. that, do you know what I'm saying? Like, that's just how I, I think do. I do. I get it. And I think yeah. it's totally reasonable to feel that way. Like, and I would also, and do also feel that way. Yeah. I just also, from the outside, I'm like, I look at what you actually do rather than just pushing record, like the amount of work that must go into the, like the high production value. And like I said, the sense of humor and the whole, like the creation of the whole vlog, it's a very different thing than just pushing record. Uh, yeah, it really I mean, is. Yeah, I guess you're right. I am kind of amazing. There you go. <laughs> My work here is done. (laughs) I I am kind of one of a kind of amazing talent. Good. (laughs) Excellent. I'm glad we got that sorted. (laughs) I don't know. I feel like it's too easy for us to like, for a lot of people to not really see the value in what they contribute. And in poker, we do put a hell of a lot, and we should put a hell of a lot of focus on results, but it's not all that. Yeah, this is true. Yeah, this is true. Anyways. We've been talking for an hour, which is longer than we normally go. So I'm not going to keep, you know, badgering you about things. No, you're fine. 
but I really enjoyed that. So yeah, what too. was that like for you? I, I, it's a different kind of interview. I know. So yeah, no, I loved it. I thought it was, I thought it was great. I could probably go for another three hours. Like I thought it was yeah. great. Yeah. Uh, I could as well. Yeah. So over a beer at some point in Las Vegas, um, that will be, that will be. So that's what I usually say at the end of it. Then I never go to Vegas, but still <laughs> the offer is out there. Well, and if ever I, I find myself in Slovenia, Slovenia? Yeah, I'll, I'll come look you up. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's really lovely here for real though. But um, yeah, I can imagine that's not going to happen. I will be watching you on your vlog and on live streams and all kinds of places. And uh, yeah, thank you. Where can everyone find you just so that uh, everyone you, knows? YouTube, The Drawing Dead Vlog is probably the best place to find me there or The Drawing Dead Vlog on Instagram. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Kilogram and those are probably the best places. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you again. And everyone listening, thank you all very much. I hope that you feel like you know the person behind the cards and the vlogs even better now. So join me next time on the Heart of Poker, sponsored by 888 Poker. 